when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, I'm just still kind of reeling here, Shane. We had such a busy weekend of action, spanned three days, and then all of a sudden, just when I think <laughs> stuff's winding down, Coach Luke showed the door, Shane. So uh, I was going to ask, I was going to see if you got fired today because it seems like everybody's getting fired these days, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a lot to cover, so let's just start right there, Shane. Let's start with the Egg Bowl, of course, on Thanksgiving night, Thursday, and what a game this was, Shane. I mean, oh yeah, it kind of played out the way I imagined it would. Uh, you know, Mississippi State was in control of this one for most of the game. You know, it looked like there for a minute they were going to. Blow out the Rebels, I thought, mm-hmm. uh, until they, you know, Ole Miss made the quarterback switch to Matt Corral. You were calling for it, and he comes out firing, then he throws a pick at the end, near the end zone. <laughs> it looks like uh, Mississippi State's got to have that thing wrapped up, but, you know, miracle finish there at the end with, I still, I, I'm not sure how Mississippi State converted that fourth and forever, but they got it done. Uh, thoughts on this one, Shane, where we didn't even see old Tommy Stevens. So there was all the speculation that, you know, if there was going to be a coach gone from this game, it was going to be Joe Moorhead. Here we are a couple days later. It's Matt Luke that's gone. And, of course, you know, the thing that is always going to be remembered for this play is obviously the uh, fake piss play, whatever you want to call yeah. it, the, the old piss play, old piss and miss. But, yeah. uh, I mean, that's something we're going to be talking about for the next 50 years in SEC history, I think. I don't think I've ever seen a joke wear out so fast online. You know, it was like hilarious. How many pee jokes can you say in 30 minutes? And then it was like, okay, that's enough. We're done. You know, we get it. Kid made a mistake. This, this game, and you know, it's just so crazy because we had such a wild weekend. You, you know, you almost forget how it was, how it kicked off. And this was an epic game, man. This is one of the I, – I, I was telling you, one of my favorite rivalries uh, going into it just because it's it's such a heated game and, and you just never know what to expect out of these things. And it came down to the wire and, you know, there was a few things. Uh, you know, the kid made a mistake. You know, he shouldn't have done the celebrating, obviously. They missed the field goals. So, but – you know, there was also an opportunity. I thought the flag shouldn't have been called, and uh, mm-hmm. I thought they scored a touchdown. So, I mean, this game was crazy, and you're right. Going into this thing, we felt like Joe maybe, you know, if Joe lost this thing, we, we almost could guarantee he was out. But there was even rumors talking about 
he would be the one that was out even if they won. And Coach Luke wasn't even in the the, the same ballpark. And I and I thought he was safe, man. It, it kind of blows my mind that he's not for what he was able to do with this team toward the end. And and you know there was a handful of games that they really could have even uh, could have had a better record if things would have. And you may say, well, that's why he's gone because of the coaching or something like that. But I just I, I don't. I just think it was a young team, young talent, and they just they just misfired at the end of some of these games. And, you know, Ole Miss was trending up, and it just feels to me like they took a big step back today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, for Mississippi State, Shane Garrett Schrader, his first Egg Bowl comes away with a win. I thought he was pretty solid. I mean, he was not spectacular, but yeah, freshman and put in that situation with, you know, this is a guy that came to play specifically for Joe Moorhead. You know he was hearing all the speculation, so mm-hmm. you know credit that kid for getting it done, getting the win. But I think the win, the unit, the side of the ball, and probably the player that deserves the most credit on Mississippi State's team, Errol Thompson, the linebacker. Oh, for sure. My God, man, he was he was just a wrecking machine in this one. I mean, he refused to let Ole Miss win this game. Uh, Marcus Murphy also a, a big play. He was the one that intercepted Matt Corral there in the red zone. So Mississippi State's defense came up big. The longest rush of the day, Shane, for Ole Miss, 14 yards, and that's the lowest, uh, longest run Ole Miss has had all season. Yeah, oh Plumley was held in check, wasn't he? Yeah, that was the difference in the game. So we got to credit Bob Shoop and his defense for coming together. This is kind of the Mississippi State defense. We thought we were getting before everyone got damn suspended for 10 games. Uh, so I, I just really think that was kind of the difference. And it's just unfortunate that uh, we didn't get to see this unit for the entire season. Who knows? You know, who knows? The record may be the same. I, I don't think it would have, but we'll just we'll just never know. But I got to credit that side. So let's kick it over to Joe Moorhead after the game, Shane, because, man, this guy, you know, when he, sh- when he shows emotion and he speaks from the heart, I kind of like it. And then the other half of the time, he's just like reading a damn piece of paper. I think he needs to drop that and just kind of stick to this kind of passion. Now, the only issue, I do have an issue, Shane, here, where after the game, he says, you know, this is for the majority of our fans, basically calling out those, you know, wanting him gone. I I think that's kind of a bad look for the head coach there. Uh, But uh, this is pretty a long spiel here. So let's kick it over to Joe, Joe Moorhead after the game. Some pretty bold statements here, and uh, he also talked a little bit about Garrett Schrader. Still fired up. Uh, I couldn't be more proud for, for the players, the coaches, uh, our administration, the state, the school, and the majority of our fans. Uh, I don't, in 21 years of coaching and a bunch more as a player, uh, I don't know that I've entered a season and gone through a season with as much adversity as we had to face. Uh, having 10 guys out to start the season uh, and some of your best players and having them not be able to play, uh, go through a uh, kind of a quarterback rotation, have a, uh, a uh, ton of injuries and uh, have some ups and downs and, and the kids just kept fighting. And I think more than anything, it's a validation of this team, a validation of our culture. And uh, you know, to me, it put an exclamation point on the, uh, the narrative that was floating around I'm not the right man for this job, or I'm not the right man for this program, or I can't coach in this league. All right, and that's 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 not the case. So uh, I'm damn proud of this team. All right, and uh, I love the way our kids handle adversity. I love the way our 
coaches fought through adversity. I know there were a lot of ups and downs and a lot of belly aching and a lot of this, that, and the other thing. But uh, just make sure that everybody understands. This is my school. This is my team. This is my program. And if you want to ask, I'm not, I'm not interested in anybody's validation except for the guys in that locker room. And every single one of them, you come in here and ask who's the right man for the job, they're going to tell you it's me. All right, and I promise you that. So, so I'm not going to get into what we've done the past two years and now for being able to get to a bowl. All right, so don't, no one get it twisted. All right, I understand what it, what it means for this program. Okay? And I'm here. And this is my team. This is my school. This is, this is my program. I have to drag my Yankee ass out of here. Questions? Do you see it? I was out today, no matter out of what. There were rumors. There was somebody reported on Twitter that you would not be the head coach of Mississippi State. Tomorrow. Was it Bob from Bogus? No. Okay. It, might, it, it might as well. Have might been, have been. Like Listen, I, said, I mean, we could, we could get into the speculation. And I'll get. And I know you asked earlier in the week, and I respect that you have a job to do, and I get that part. But uh, the, the, this narrative gets created by people who aren't in the decision-making process, and I understand certainly at times this year that we we didn't play like we needed to play. I mean, I talked already about the suspensions and the injuries and all those things that go into it and playing the third toughest schedule in, in the country. And every team that we've lost to is, is bowl eligible. Uh, and, and kind of this, this, this uh, mythology that the team I inherited is like the 85 Bears, you know what I mean? And, and three years ago, we got into a bowl game at five and seven because we had APR. So I, I understand the part, and no one wants more success than me, and no one wants to win as quickly to get to a championship. I, I get that part, but I also have a sense of of uh, logic and reason, and, and understand that great things take time. And you know, we want to be like uh, the '98 '99 teams because they were the last one to win an SEC championship. So we'll get there. And I understand people are frustrated at times, and no one was more frustrated than me. But to have a knee-jerk reaction and say this and say that in year two. And go pound sand. I don't care. Uh, the only people I care about are the kids in that locker room. And you ask any one of them who they want to be the head coach of the school, they do. Everyone else go kick rocks. We'll start with Paul. <clears throat> coach is right. um, along those lines. I can't see you through the trophy, Paul. Okay, there you go. Go ahead. <laughs> Joe, you said earlier this week that the moment wouldn't be too big for Garrett. Obviously, he stepped in. First off, when did you realize that Tommy wasn't going to be able to go? And second, how did Garrett handle it tonight? Yeah, yeah Tommy got a little bit of an upper body injury in the, in the ACU game. And uh, kind of evaluate him on Sunday and Monday, and we're hoping it was going to get better during the week. But but I'd say by Wednesday for sure is when we knew that, that uh, Garrett was going to be the guy. And how do you think Garrett handled uh, So I said to him before the game, brought you here for a reason. I said, be Garrett Schrader, and uh, I don't say unflappable. Certainly, he didn't play a perfectly clean game, but for a true freshman under those circumstances, a couple fourth down conversions, the way he ran the ball, the way he distributed it to the playmakers, uh, the kids got an incredibly bright future. Uh, this season and at Mississippi State moving forward. All right, Shane. So there you have it. I mean, he. I mean, he really hit to the heart of the issue there. It seems like a lot of Mississippi people not embracing this Yankee guy. Says you're gonna have to drag my Yankee ass <laughs> out of here. I think that's a little overrated. I think that is kind of an issue there that a lot of people remember when this guy got hired. It was all about well, can he recruit in the SEC? Does he know what it's got to take? You know, his recruiting's been all right. It's not been terrible by any means but I think at the end of the day it's just you know that's an excuse people will use if uh, if they don't like the way your football team's performing on the field and they'll find anything you know to criticize you about what mm -hmm. you say yeah I'm sorry I couldn't hear you this trophy is in the way let me get that <laughs> <laughs> oh man I yeah I like the fired up coach Joe this is what I like to hear and you know just kind of 
man, he took the media by the balls there, man, and just said, stop creating these narratives. You know, that's what it felt like to me. It's like, you know, you're the ones that are making this bigger than it is. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying. Even though, you know, uh, the the AD's not coming out here and saying something or, you know, the the president's not coming out here backing me up or anything. I mean, because that's, that's kind of the narrative you hear with some of these bubble coaches throughout this, uh, throughout this podcast today. It was just tooting my own horn. Joe just said, you know what, I'm here. And if, if they want to fire me, they can fire me. But, you know, I, there's no plans of that. So stop making a story where there isn't one. So I kind of like that, man. Mm-hmm. So flipping over to the other side, Shane, Ole Miss dismisses Matt Luke here on Sunday evening right before we hop on the pod. Just got an email from Ole Miss. You know, it's kind of a boilerplate statement here, but basically they cite uh, the lack of overall trajectory in the football program. You know, they saw some things, but the win-loss record, just not there. Uh, man, thoughts on this decision, Shane? Because <sighs> I think it's a little bit different than Joe Moorhead because, you know, we kind of noted all the things that Joe Moorhead has accomplished. Yes, he inherited a much better team than Matt Luke did, but it just seemed like Matt Luke was always, you know, he always kind of had that interim tag. And yeah. I by no means thought he was like a, some great coach or anything, but Hell, I, all off season, I thought he'd be the first one fired, but I thought he did the best coaching job of his entire tenure this year. And with so many freshmen, so many sophomores leading the way, it really seemed, in particular with these coordinators on staff, that uh, they had a ton of momentum going into next season. And it, it just seemed like they, you know, they're, they're building towards something and now they're just hitting the reset button. And who knows if any of these players are going to fit what the next coach wants to do. Dude, that's what, you know, it felt like a poor man's LSU. You know, Coach Luke was a, as an intern, wasn't supposed to be sticking around. Mm-hmm. We know that, you know, that nobody else was offering. Nobody else is going to offer Coach Luke a job as a head coach, you know, especially in the SEC. But, you know, he surrounded himself with great coordinators. It, it felt like he was doing everything he could to better this team. And uh, like I said, kind of like the LSU route, just surround himself with with great talent, and then it would show up on the field. And, you know, it, I thought it was. Like I said, toward the end of the season, you know, I thought this defense at moments was playing fantastic. I thought this offense was starting to look like a decent offense, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're so young, man. I mean, they really are. This is one of the youngest teams in the SEC. The, the, the future looks bright at Ole Miss. And, you know, I just thought – I thought they – I think they messed up here, man. I mean, you really set you you really set this program back. Yeah, and from what I understand, Shane, the leadership down there really frustrated with, you know, kind of becoming the laughing stock there of Thanksgiving with the uh, fake P play, and you know, this is not the first time we've seen it from Matt Luke's Ole Miss team in this game on national televised audience. From what I'm told, that played into this decision because remember this. AD, who, I mean, he was just named full-time AD, uh, what was it, like a week, two weeks ago, and he, mm-hmm. you know, he was fine with the direction of the program. They've they've gone, I think, one and one since since that guy was named full AD, so I'm not, not really buying his statement of uh, the direction of the program here, because I think it was pointed up, but man, that's just, it's a tough way to go, and it's even worse, Shane. I read, uh, according to, uh, I think this is Ben Garrett here of uh, 247. 
Apparently, Matt Luke found out while on an in-home visit visiting an Ole Miss commit. So Golly. they didn't even have the balls to you know bring him in and let him know. I mean, he had to find out on Twitter. Just and apparently, uh, according to Ben Garrett, he told the the commit, you know, just pray on it and and stick with it. Find out who the next coach is. So hell, he's he's just got fired. He's still recruiting for Ole Miss. That's just kind of that's kind of the guy that uh, they're letting go here, and just a poor form to do it. Mm, you know what it feels like. It feels like karma is about to strike that place again. You know, it just, I, I just, I was starting to buy in Ole Miss. Of course, I was buying in for them for several weeks, and I'm not putting this all on this new AD, but, you know, the guy's had the job a week, and now he's going to decide the future of this program. It's like, I, I just, I don't know. Luke deserved another year, in my honest opinion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, last year he wasn't able to do anything. They were on sanctions, you know from a mistake that he didn't make. And then his first year that he's able to able to make a bowl, you know, he didn't get he didn't quite get there, but he you know, he found it felt like he found his team's identity along the way and, you know, just you know, they got a pretty good recruiting class coming in. It's just I, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm not a fan of this. This I think Coach Luke deserved one more year, and I'm mm. gonna I, if I got down that hill, I will, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I like the guy, you know. I mean, he loves Ole Miss as much as I sound like I love Ole Miss. It's times <laughs> a million for Coach Luke. He literally would do that job for free. Well, speaking of getting fired, Shane, let's jump to Friday's game here, where Missouri beat Arkansas 24 to 14 in Little Rock. And man, Shane, this was a barn burner. Some guy by the name of Connor Balsliak, he started for Missouri. Jack Lindsey started for Arkansas, who we saw in junk time against LSU. This just felt like a damn NFL preseason game to me, Shane, because I didn't know who the hell a lot of these guys are. Here we got uh, Missouri's leading receiver, Barr Bannister. I mean, he's he's out here looking like Wes Welker. I, I don't even remember seeing him all season, and... Uh, this was, you know, I give I give Lindsey a ton of credit. He was making plays with his legs, not so much with his arms. But uh, this was a rough one to watch, Shane, and it kind of felt like it kind of felt like Arkansas. You know, they put a lot into this one. They wanted to go out the right way, but after about the first quarter, that's about all they had left in the tank. They couldn't get anything going against this Missouri defense, and then all of a sudden they turn around. They win this game by ten points. This ugly game in a you know bad weather situation and then they turn around the next day and fire coach Odom I was uh, pretty surprised by this one I thought if if Missouri lost this game I I could see them you know looking at the trajectory and and just saying man we just blew this opportunity we got to get rid of this guy but I don't know it just didn't feel to me like Missouri quit on Barry Odom it just seemed like I don't know what what's your thoughts on all this Shane Golly, this was such an ugly game, Mike. It really was. And I was really pulling for Arkansas because I predicted them to get their first SEC win. <laughs> and there was a there was a moment when they had an opportunity to do this. And because Missouri was playing like hot garbage too, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And Lindsey, I mean, there for a moment, I think he was like one for nine, and the only completion <laughs> he had was a touchdown, you know? His first two completions were touchdowns. So that that was all they really had all day. <laughs> You know, it's so funny because I'm watching this game like, come on, man. You got you got to make me look good here, Arkansas. Get this thing, you know. And, uh, and I'm sitting there at halftime, and I'm like, who the hell is this Lindsey guy anyway? You know, it's like, 
<laughs> I get KJ's hurt, but like, you know, we went into this thing with Starkle and, and, uh, what's his face? Ben Hicks. And, mm-hmm. and it's just like, I'm sitting here like, I don't remember a Lindsay. When did, when did this name become popular? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I get that he's, and, and he tried to, he really did boy. He, he really laid it all out there for Arkansas, but I mean, he sacrificed just, his body time and time again, didn't he? He really did. I mean, and you know, it, it felt like Boyd was literally the only offense at, though at times that they had, of course we kind of knew that going in and, and you know, Missouri on the other side, another guy, pal, you know, somebody I didn't really do a lot of read up mm-hmm. on. So, um, but they were able to, you know, eke this thing out and, and snap that five game loose streak, you know? Look at it this way, Shane. Arkansas passing 11 of 31 for 77 yards. Mm-hmm. So, somehow they had two touchdowns out of that. And then flip the other side, Missouri, 15 of 23. It's a decent average, but 185, one touchdown, one interception. Man, if you like defense, you loved <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man, when that little banister kid kept catching the ball, I was like, you know, Chief really needs to make one adjustment, and you know they're right back into this thing. But uh, it, you know, it came down. It got a little tight there at the end, and but uh, credit Mizzou, they they stuck to the the run game, and though even though it just you know it wasn't pretty, but they they were able to pull away there. And I like Tyler. You know, it's crazy as Beatty. I you know Beatty's one of the fastest damn people I've ever seen, and. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's had flashes through his career up here at Mizzou, and it feels like there's just – they don't give him the opportunities, you know. But when he does take them, man, you know, he had that big 31-yard run. It just felt like, man, that's that's what this team's been missing on offense. And I, I, think, I think they've misused him a lot this year. Let me ask you this, Shane. So I'm not trying to piss off either one of these fan bases, but this is about the third year in a row – where this is a national televised game on Friday, day after Thanksgiving on CBS. Is it time for CBS to remove this game from the national primetime slot that they've got here until at least, you know, I mean, we just need some competitive football from this game. I, and I, I'm not trying to pick on these two, but I just don't understand why they're, they're the ones that are anointed here. Uh, I know you're probably not going to move a game like the Iron Bowl to this, but, you know, how about LSU-Texas A&M? I mean, again, that was not a great game this year, but I think in many years that would be. Or uh, I don't I don't know, just what are your thoughts on potentially moving this game? Do you think I'm being too harsh? Or I, I'm just thinking, you know, it was not only this Friday, but last year I believe it was 38-0, and uh, the year before that it was – I can't remember the score, but it was a damn ugly game too. I just – I'm just trying to struggle to figure out why this is a nationally televised game at this point. No, I'm I'm kind of with you, man. Um, and I, again, you know these these teams have been great in the past. You know, I don't want to change history, and even though it's it's not a real long history run here, but I don't want to I don't want to alter it just because of a couple bad seasons. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? Arkansas may be competing for the West in five years. Or, mm-hmm. you know, Mizzou, when they first came in, you know, was running the East. They were competing in the SEC championship. So I don't, I don't want to change it. Uh, but, it, man, maybe this is a flex-type game type right, situation, right. you know. Like you could just 
move some like I mean like they do with week zero. You know what I'm saying? They mm-hmm. they decide, hey, we're looking at this. And I think this is going to get some good ratings. You know, I I would much rather have seen Florida Florida State this year, even though it wasn't a great game. You know, it's a team I I've not. I haven't got to see in a long time and, you know, Florida has been playing well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something that was just, I don't know, exciting to watch. And this game was, you just knew, man, when, when, when you knew Kelly wasn't going to be there and, and she just knew, man. Uh, and this game, God, I mean, it was an ugly game to watch. Mm-hmm. And how surprised were you after this one, Shane, the day after there, Missouri fires Barry Odom. Uh, before you answer that, let's kick it over to the AD, Jim Sturick, who kind of breaks down a little bit his decision process here and all that Missouri has to sell for the new coach coming in. The momentum of it that we um, we needed to, that we were reached a point where we needed to make a change to, uh, because we had lost that momentum. Well, I, I felt we lost momentum of the program and, and that uh, it would be difficult for us under his leadership to, to continue to move it forward. Missouri has the resources to be uh, a top 25 consistently in the postseason uh, to compete for championships. I think Coach Pinkle showed that in, in uh, a couple times he he went to uh, the championship game in the SEC. I think with the investment that we've made uh, recently in our South End Zone project, it puts it on puts us on a level as far as facilities that are that are second to none so I'm I'm excited about the future I think we have a great opportunity moving forward we have a lot of good players in our program that that we want to, to build upon and and get the right person in here uh, a, a really good coach to come in and and take over and um, I don't know as far as assistance and things like that uh, who will stay but Right now, those assistants are are uh, employed, and and they're they're uh, they're going to work for Mizzou and, until they the a head coach is hired, and then we'll um, we'll make decisions or that they'll they'll make decisions from there. All right, Shane. So Barry Odom. I mean, hell, Shane. Think about. I want to say mid October, Missouri's first placed in the East. End of November. Coach fired, and there's no scandals or anything. <laughs> of course, you know, they they fell apart there. I think they finished fifth in the East. Uh, so it's definitely not good. I think we both predicted them to finish second. So it was a terribly disappointing season for Missouri. But uh, thoughts on the decision of fire Barry Odom and, uh, you know, how desirable of a position is this right now? At least, at least the AD is, uh, you know, confident that uh, if I'm a Missouri fan, the, the way I'm looking at this is, we are not going to accept six, seven, eight win seasons as our ceiling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we want to achieve higher. So I'll credit them for doing that. But uh, I'm just wondering what kind of candidate they can get at this point. I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, they're going to have to throw some money at. And what I'm reading, they don't have that much to throw. You know what I'm saying? I mean, not to mention the bowl ban. That's, you just told me it was $9 million they ain't going to bring home. So right. um, I, that part I'm a little worried about. I just, I don't know, same kind of same thing with Luke. I think it was a little premature given the situation that, that Mizzou had to deal with, with the bowl sanctions, um, not to mention, you know, some very, very key injury, injuries that they had to fight through and at, at, at positions that they couldn't really afford, you know. And it all started when, uh, what's his name, got hurt? Kale Garrett. Kale Garrett, you know, after that. And then you got Kelly Bryant. I mean, that was your jewel that – 
you brought in to back up the golden, you know, the golden goose. And, and he just never could get going, never could stay healthy. And, uh, you know, I don't want to pump up his resume, but they're sitting here at six and six. If they didn't have these sanctions, they'd be in a bowl game. And, you know, that's, that's a pretty good mark given, I mean, look at the rest of the teams in the East. You know what I'm saying? The, he's, they're right there with it. There are a couple wins from being third in the East, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's kick it over to Saturday's action, the Iron Bowl. Let's just start right there. This was one hell of a game, including just maybe the most bizarre second quarter of SEC action I've ever seen. <laughs> Auburn holds on for a 48-45 to win. This one went back and forth, and it really came down to, you know, Gus Miles on his coaching staff. They really got one over on Nick Saban, Shane. It was a... A tremendous decision there, run out the punter, but line him up as a receiver. That totally threw Alabama off. They had the punt team out there, had to, you know, switch to defense real quick, and the, the punt returner, Jalen Waddell, did not have time to get off the field. Twelve men on the field, five yard penalty, automatic first down. That was the ball game. Mm-hmm. Man, that's it's a that's a heartbreaking way for Alabama to lose this one. So many storylines in this one. Mac Jones, I mean, he was half amazing, half killed his team. <laughs> I mean, two pick sixes, uh, particularly the the 100-yard one was just brutal for Alabama. But at the same time, anytime you hear a quarterback through two pick sixes, you know, I would automatically think this guy is terrible and, and he has no business on the field. I thought it was a complete opposite. I'd, I know, you know, he was really helped out by these res- outstanding receivers he's got to work with, but – I mean, each time he threw an interception, he came back and was making some tough throws. He was mm-hmm. taking some hits. I was really impressed with Mac Jones by the end of this game. Najee Harris has, continues to play the best football of his career. This mm-hmm. may have been his best game, maybe the LSU game, but this is right up there. And if you're talking, you played Alabama, your two best games against LSU and Auburn, you're a pretty damn good player. Jalen Waddell, four touchdowns in this one, Shane. That may be the most impressive performance I've ever seen in a loss. I mean, my God, what more could that have got? What more could he have done? Uh, and then on the on the flip side, Bo Nix. You know, I I didn't think he was outstanding throwing the ball, but this was one of his better days, and he got more involved in the running game. And uh, man, this was just this was just an exciting game, and just one where you're just kind of on the edge of your seat the entire game. And and once you know it, Shane, it comes down to a damn Alabama kicker in the end <laughs> once again. Uh, that, I feel bad for that kid, but uh, it, he was he was an easy target for criticism on Saturday night. Yeah, dude. I mean this this game, and just give you a little little snapshot and change life here. I like to watch <laughs> a game on my TV, right? And I and then I watch another game uh, on my phone. You know, it's a pretty big phone, but you know, it's it's a game I care less about. You know, and so naturally, Tennessee game comes on. It's on the big screen because that's where it belongs, you know. <laughs> and I'm watching this Alabama Auburn game, and I and I find myself not even looking at the TV. I'm <laughs> like, you know what? I gotta switch this thing up. So I put this game on, and man, it was just, it was electric, dude. It was back and forth. It was a dynamic game, and it was just, man, it was it was like checkers, dude. Like every move that one made, the other one had an answer for, and. Uh, I was really, I was extremely impressed with Jones and, and if they would have won this game, I, I think that they would still have, I, I think they would have belonged in the, in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? And I think they could compete with some of these teams that are in the playoffs. 
just because, like you said, the receivers that are around him, man. I mean, Waddle, I think he just scored another touchdown. It was just like these guys were just – they Auburn – I mean, people don't realize how great Auburn's defense is. Mm-hmm. And Alabama was just cutting through them like – I mean, like a hot knife through butter. You know, LSU wasn't even able to do this. And Saban just had a, a great plan – but it came down to the very end. It came down to kicking, and honestly, it came down to coaching. And and Gus made a few little sneaky moves there at the end, and found himself winning the ball game. So this was another one, man. Another game at Jordan Hare that was just you could label it a miracle, you could label it whatever, but it was just it was flat entertaining, dude. Yeah, you really got to credit the uh, Jordan Hare fans. You know, everyone that was there. I think they. They were probably the difference in this game. A lot of mistakes there, miscues, if you want to call it, there mm-hmm. by Alabama. I think the crowd affected it, and there was times in the game where, you know, I think Al, excuse me, Auburn could have easily kind of went into a shell. Things weren't going the right way, but the it just seemed like the crowd kept kept them in the game, kept willing them. Because I mean, even the first pick six, that place is going bonkers, and then Jalen Waddell just returns the kickoff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that a lot of fan bases that would just kill the crowd but it didn't kill you know the jordan hare crowd and credit the C- the cbs camera crew man they were <laughs> there were some perverts working those cameras in that game weren't they <laughs> yeah i'm telling you dude <laughs> even at the end you know i think there's still 50 year old ladies stuck in them bushes out there so... <laughs> oh man this was Dude, this is just an epic game, man. Uh, I kind of like what you talked about with Bo. You know, it did feel like he 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 used his legs a little bit more in this. You know, he picked he picked his moments when he needed to run. You know, he didn't do it often, but when he did, it was it was always moving the chains. And uh, you know, Booby, uh, you know, he had that that fumble. You know, everybody's talking about, but mm-hmm. he really did. I mean, he I mean, he was a beast out there. Shivers about killed a man, you know, going in for the end zone. These it just felt like Auburn was not was I mean, not saying that Alabama didn't, but Auburn knew that they could compete with these guys and they were going 110%, it seems like, on every single play. And and that's what I like, man. You know, and that's what we all love is a, is a, is a tough, no physical game. And, you know, uh, Harris, you look at him with all the rushing yards. I mean, that's not an easy feat to do against this def- defensive front. But, you know, it, this game, if you play it 10 times, you still don't know what the outcome is going to be. Mm-hmm. Also want to credit Seth Williams, Shane. I know he had a dumb penalty in the game, but he also had that amazing one-handed catch. Sal Canella, the uh, the you know receiver, tight end for Auburn. He had an amazing toe grab touchdown. I mean, mm-hmm. these are the type of plays you need to win this game. Uh, of course, Derek Brown. You know he came up huge. He was a monster yet again. He got injured in this game, stayed in the game. He he his play when he batted down that uh, third down pass at the very end of the game, which led to Alabama's missed field goal. I mean, who knows? That could have been the game-defining yeah. play. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, you got to give him credit there. So, uh, what so, about- so, so many storylines and so many players stepped up in this one. Let me let me put my conspiracy hat on, Mike, you know. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the three seconds? Ooh. Yeah, that was a kind of a crazy one. And I, th- I think the announcers mentioned it, but it kind of worked out perfectly for Auburn given the fact that they had to review it and all that because that gave them time to, you know, line up their field goal team and actually 
snap and everything, but I got to be honest with you, Shane. I don't think, I don't understand how they were able to put a second back on there. Yeah. Uh, Because while the guy's getting tackled, you know, the clock's at one, it goes down to zero. And I mean, it's like a mass of bodies. So I saw no replay that really showed me that, uh, you know, he, his knee was up on one and it was, it was still hitting the ground at one. You know, I, I saw Mm -hmm. nothing. It, it just seemed like they, they looked at it and said, well, hell that doesn't take two seconds. Does it? I mean, we're in slow, (laughs) we're in slow mo here. That's, that's a second. So, uh, yeah, I, if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm pretty pissed at that. Uh, and it's just, it's just unfortunate that, uh, in your iron bowl history at Jordan Hare, that damn last second on the clock, that's, that's never going to leave you. You know what? (laughs) Do you know, I want to talk about one other thing I was thinking about, and this is uh, this came up courtesy of Pat McAfee. Um, he was talking about the, the last field goal attempt, mm-hmm. and he was talking about the dynamics of a kicker and how, how a ball should be placed. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously a good exchange is the number one priority, but with the second, you want to make sure that the ball is tilted a certain way for different t- styles of kickers. And with the way that he kicks soccer style, the ball should have been, uh, instead of vertical, it actually should have been leaning a little bit toward the holder. Now, why is that important? Do you remember at the beginning? Now, he didn't go into this part, but I was just thinking, at the beginning of the season, we kind of joked about Tua being the holder. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So he took away all these snaps for holding PATs. And when he got hurt, all of a sudden – Here's Mac doing the same thing. Now he's holding for this kicker. You know, I, I think when you don't have when you have your starting quarterback that could get hurt, not that a backup can't, but it's less likely, mm-hmm. you know, that's always holding these uh these PATs and field goal kicks through the entire season, you know, could that I mean I'm just saying, and that this is just me just like maybe deep dive conspiracy thing. Do you think the two effect uh also played a role in this kick, you know, because the snap was good, but the hold was terrible because it was straight up and down when it should have been leaning more toward the right, mm-hmm. something that maybe Tua could have done. Yeah, that's an interesting observation, Shane. Credit to you for going that deep dive-ish with the hold. But, <laughs> you know, that I always thought it was weird that Tua was doing the holder. Like, you know, he's got so much on his plate. Why in the hell does it matter that he's the holder? It's yeah. not. It's not like Alabama's got some extensive, you know, fake package, and I don't know. It, it seems stupid to me for all that you're asking a starting quarterback to do to do that as well. I don't see any. I really don't see much to gain from that. I mean, the NFL's not going to ask him to do it. He's yeah. not. He's not helping his NFL stock by any means. And like you said, and you know, we can even take out his injury history. But hell, we knew going into the season that this kid gets hurt. You know, yeah. he's got hurt every year. Uh, why? Why is he the holder? It just—it makes no sense, and uh, it may have come back to bite Alabama at the worst possible time. I think—I uh, think that's a good observation. Yeah. All right, Shane. So after this one, let's kick it over to Gus Malzahn. Pretty fired up, as you'd expect. He's—he's he's heading to Waffle House right after the game. He said, uh, and he talked about uh, Bo Nix and the performance he had. And hell, he thinks this kid's going to win a, a championship there on uh, beating Saban three out of seven. Uh, on all, the Auburn fans storming the field and then uh, kind of went a little bit of a deep dive here on that last play where they put out the punter there, but they put him at the wide receiver p- position. 
That's for a freshman quarterback. This kind of environment, this kind of game. How hard is that to, to play with these calm, basically calm? Yeah, he, yeah. I've said it all along. He's got something special to him. Um, he'll win a championship. I told you that this week before he gets out of here. Um, you know, he, his leadership, the moment's not too big. Um, you know, he's got real good command. When he makes a mistake, he owns up, hey, I'll make up for it. And just, you know, he's got the special traits it has. Um, you know, the future's going to be a lot of fun with him leading us. Yes. You're the only coach that's beaten Nick Saban three times. Does that mean anything to you? You know, we're, we're, I mean, he's a great coach. Uh, everybody knows that. But this is Auburn and they're Alabama. And this is the best rivalry in college football. It's not about me. It's about our players. Our players believe we can beat them. All the other teams, for the most part, hope. And, um, you know, so I'm just real proud of, uh, of our players. It's about our players. It's not about me. You talked about your um, You know, here in the West and, and playing the schedule that we play. Coach, you have a few words with uh, Coach Saban right there. You turn around and the field's being stormed. What is that moment like? Uh, and do you get to enjoy that as well along with the fans? Yeah, there's no doubt. It's a real special. Anytime our fans are down there with us, and of course, we've been fortunate enough the third time, and it's just like, it's, it's a wild feeling. It is. And, you know, the Auburn is an Auburn family. And uh, this game, obviously, is very important. And just happy that uh, we could get a victory for our fans. And they were just so huge. I mean, the place was going nuts the whole night. It wasn't just the fourth quarter. And, just a great environment. You know, we had a lot of, you know, it was just, it was just really something to be a part of. Yeah. Was that intentional? Were you trying? Yeah, to yeah. So what we were going to do is we were going to try to keep their punt returner off the field. Right. And so we put our punter at X, and we had our offense on the field. Right. And they had their punt return, and then they rushed their defense on, and they forgot about their punt returner. And so that's how they had 12 guys in the field because we were going to go ahead and shift, and we were going to have him punt it, and we were just trying to find ways to keep him off the field in that moment. And we felt like if we get the defense, we could kick it and flip the field. And, you know, they were trying to rush people on, and we got 12, and we ended up winning the game. All right, Shane, so this is the play that Dick Saban's saying is unfair, but, hell, I mean, it's in the rule books, you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I, I recall when Lane Kiffin was at Alabama, they were doing the play where, you know, they would line up their – I think it was one of their tackles – no, I, I believe it was the tight end on the line of scrimmage that made the the tackle eligible, and then they would, you know, have the tackle go down the middle of the field and throw them touchdowns. Like, you want to talk? I'm not <laughs> saying that's not fair, but if it's in the rules, it's in the rules. I mean, right? You you can't. Uh, I don't think Auburn did anything here that was, you know, was maybe a little high schoolish. Maybe that's where Gus Malzahn got this idea. But hell, I mean, you've got to be prepared. They. We'll get to Nick Saban's clip here in a minute, but he says, you know, we saw the punter run out there, so we did our punt team. Well, hell, yeah. they, they should have saw Bo Nix was on the field too because Bo Nix sure as hell isn't on the Auburn's punt team. So mm-hmm. I think that's just a bad job by Alabama there. Yeah, I thought the sugar huddle was going to get him, but no siree. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a fake punter, you know. Yeah, Gus, you know, Gus got a little high school in him, you know, and, and that's exactly what this was is, you know, he, he's – pulling out all the cards man and i when i saw that penalty come out i was like oh my god he did it you know sometimes these don't work a lot of times they end up being a five yard delay a game penalty or something like that right but you know every now and then you you catch one and and that's what they did they caught lightning in a bottle here man and ended up winning and uh you know say what you want there was there was some great memes that came out of it (laughs) 
Let's kick it over to Nick Saban on the other side, Shane, talking about this play. Like I said, he called it unfair in his opinion mm-hmm. on Mac Jones and how he ran the offense. And then finally on their kicker, Joseph Bolivas, who obviously missed that big kick that uh, you know, turned out to be the difference in the game. We gave ourselves an opportunity to tie the game. We had a chance to get the ball back at the end of the game. Um, and, um, you know, I really feel that uh, it was pretty unfair play at the end of the game. They substituted the punter as a wide receiver. Uh, so we put the punt team in. Uh, and then when the quarterback was still in there, we tried to put the defense back in. Uh, I thought they should have given us a little more time to substitute and get Waddle out as a returner. We get called for 12 guys on the field. So that was very disappointing. Uh, we're responsible for that as coaches. Uh, but it was a very unusual circumstance, uh, to say the least. And I think, you know, sometimes when you have those, that, you know, they should be viewed that way. Well, uh, you know, when somebody puts the punter in, you usually put the punt return team in. Okay? So um, the punter came in, but he came in and played wide receiver. Okay? So as soon as we see the guy going on the field, we put the punt return team in. So. But then they were just staying in a formation, I think probably, just to let the clock run down and probably call timeout or take a penalty to get as much time off the clock as possible. But then when we saw the quarterback was behind center, uh, which they can quick kick as well, which they did earlier in the game, um, you know, we tried to put the defense back on and we didn't have any problems subbing anybody, but Waddle was deep. He was a little late getting off. We were trying to get his attention to get him off. Um, and he didn't get off fast enough, so he was the 12th guy that they um, penalized us for. But they did sub, so they should give us time to sub in those situations, and uh, whether they did or didn't, I mean, it's not my call. How different was the offense game plan today? I'm sorry? How different would, how did you adjust the offense today? Uh, I don't think a lot. You know, I think that um, we definitely – we're not going to put the game on Mac in terms of just throwing the ball all over the yard. Um, and we wanted to have balance in the offense. I think Sark did a great job of that. Um, you know, so we moved the ball well enough on offense to win the game. Obviously, you can't give the other team 14 points. That's a problem. Um, but, you know, we didn't make the plays when we needed to make them in the last drive. You know, we got the ball down there and um, get a penalty. Uh, so instead of being first and nine at the nine, we're back at the 15-yard line, and now it's more difficult. Um, and then we miss the field goal, so to tie the game. Well, I don't think anybody feels any worse than Joe does about missing the kick. I mean, he works hard. He's a very conscientious guy. Uh, he's done a great job for us this year and taken over. Um, you know, I mean, nobody feels worse than him, and. Um, we, we all feel bad, and we all should. We all should. I should feel bad uh, that we didn't do a better job with our team. And, you know, the players, it's okay for them to feel bad too right, because we didn't play as well as I hoped that we would. And Joe's play is just one play. One play doesn't win or lose the game. Uh, there were a lot of other plays in the game that put us in the situation that we were in. So... Um, and I know nobody feels worse about it than Joe. He's, you know, a great young man. All right, Shane. So Nick Saban's taking a lot of heat for this unfair comment. I think, 
Yeah, kind of like I've, I've kind of already laid it out what I think, but it uh, sounds like you kind of agree with me there. You think this was all, I mean, they didn't break any rules here, so I don't yeah. think I don't think you're thinking it's unfair, do you? No, no, I think it's smart, man. I mean, th- these rules are there for a reason, and, you know, you're trying to catch the other team off guard all the time. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to overthink this one and say that it's it's unfair, you know, because I, I'm sure if Saban, you know, this is something, man, and I'm not I'm not saying Saban's old or anything like that, you know, I'm not I'm not going down that road, but you know, it kind of feels like sometimes he he's lost a little bit, you know, lost a step, and this is something, you know, he and you know he just wasn't prepared for it, and was I mean. I don't know if it's more saving or more the assistance in this situation. I don't know how heavily involved he is with, with the punt team, you know, but they could have easily have just kept the punt team out there and, and make some sort of adjustment. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, it's easy to speculate because I'm not in that. De- I'm not making that decision, but um, like I said, kudos to Gus for thinking outside the box on this one. Now, we don't have to go a deep dive on this, Shane, because we still got a lot to cover, but I just want to ask you real quick, you kind of, because you kind of hit on it there, Alabama loses this game against Auburn, they lost against LSU, they lost to Clemson in embarrassing fashion last season, I mean, this is, I mean, this is starting to add up a little bit here for a guy that, uh, I don't know if you're on record saying this, but I know I am, I think he's the greatest college football coach of all time i'm not not trying to Mm -hmm. diminish everything he's done but losing three games like that in a calendar year um, i don't know i think i think we're kind of seeing the best days are behind nick saban i'm not saying that uh you know alabama's probably going to compete for the sec probably compete for the playoff again but i just don't think we're we're going to see it again from him and it just seems like i don't know it just seems like some of these coaches have have caught up to him and the last couple times he's faced a team that has like equal talent or maybe not even equal talent, but just a notch below Alabama's talent. They're losing these games. And if I'm a Crimson Tide fan, I'm a little bit concerned by that. I am too. And, you know, it's kind of – go with Odom, for for instance. You know, they came in to this season with extremely high expectations, mainly from the media and from, you know, people like us just pumping them up. And that's why he got fired, man. You know, here he is, uh, a six six wins, bowl eligible, you know, other than uh, the situation. You know, uh, some teams in the SEC would find that as success. If Coach Luke would have won six games, he'd still keep his job. Mm-hmm. Now, you go to somebody like Saban, the expectations are extremely high. I mean, and do you think that – I mean, this is a small bubble, This these top five, ten teams in the nation that live in, you know what I'm saying? And it's extremely hard to stay in there. And it's easy to say, okay, like you said, they lost to Clemson, got embarrassed by Clemson. They lost to LSU. They've now lost to Auburn. They're not going to compete for the SEC championship. They're not going to be in the playoffs. They're on the way out. Do you can you imagine the negative recruiting that's going to be happening on the trail? Don't be a part of Saban's last season. You know, I'm again, Saban may coach for 20 more years, and I am on record for saying that Saban is the best college football coach ever. Okay, but there is going to be a time he he does have an expiration date on when he can coach his last season, 
And little games like this, when you're not at the top, when you're not at the pinnacle, and you can you can make it make the story look like Saban's on his way out, and you don't want to be part of a class that is involved with that, you know, I think you know Alabama's not going to sit back too long. And I know it sounds so freaking crazy to even think that Nick Saban could get replaced, but you know, if they start having two lost seasons. At, you know, they got to consider it because the next thing you know, it, it's just going to fold. You know what I'm saying? And I'm mm-hmm. not trying to bury the dynasty. And, and I know a lot of people are going to get on here and say, you're crazy, Alabama's. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just, I get that. But when you have that high of an expectation, you know, eventually it's going to fail. Eventually it's going to stop working. Eventually you're not going to be the alpha dog anymore. And you've got to be proactive in those types of situations. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Baton Rouge where my God, Shane, LSU opened a can of whoop ass here on Texas A&M. It was everything promised all this week long, a trash talk from LSU. They went 50 to seven and it wasn't even a score. Close as the final score indicated, Shane. I mean, God, the Tigers jumped on them. I think at one point, it was the yardage differential was about 350 to 30. I mean, <laughs> LSU did whatever the hell they wanted. They were up 31 to 0 at halftime, kind of called off the dogs there in the fourth quarter. That's why it's only a 43 point win. But Joe Burrow had another outstanding game, and then Calamon. I mean, this was the worst game I've ever seen him play, I think. 10 of 30, 92 passing, no touchdowns, three interceptions. Yeah, it, It's almost like, you know, I was kind of joking about LSU dropping to number two in the college football playoff poll and Jimbo getting pissed about it, but that's exactly how this played out. I mean, this was probably the best performance we've seen from LSU's defense, so that's got to give – Tiger fans, a ton of confidence heading into this SEC championship game. This was so damn bad, Texas A&M didn't even share the post-game press conference. I think they just, they're just kind of going into hiding here, but uh, this is mm-hmm. not the way you want to end your season if you're Texas A&M. And certainly don't think uh, you know Jimbo's in trouble or anything, but hell, going into next year, you cannot have any more of these. I mean, there's <laughs> we're done with that, with, with this coach that we have and, and all he's put into it. You know what I mean? This mm-hmm. is this has got to be the last time they get their ass whooped in an SEC game, dude. I'm telling you, since that Ole Miss game, it felt like A and M was on its way up, and you know all the way. I mean, think about it. Georgia last week came down to one series, and they could have they could have won that ball game, but this one was not even close, dude. I mean, it was. You looked up, and there's three scores on the board. You know what I'm saying? These mm-hmm. LSU, I mean. They came to play, man. They came to kick some some ass. That's what they did. And Coach O's been thinking about this one all offseason. You're hearing assistant coaches come out and talk about, you know, we had one job and it was just to destroy that team. And that's what they did, man. All that chirping in the offseason, LSU had it pinned on their on their boards, man. They they came out to play and it was just embarrassing. I thought A&M, A&M's a better team than what they, they put out there Saturday. They really are. But but once they got behind, it's, it's almost like they tucked their tail and just, you know, like you said, they hid, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really did. So let's uh, jump over to Coach O'Shane, who if you missed it, I just thought this was a really cool move here. But Joe Burrow, 
uh, changed the spelling of his last name to make it uh, the Cajun Burrow. <laughs> Did that for uh, Louisiana, all the support he's received. So Coach O kind of talks about that. Uh, I mean, he just totally dismisses Texas A&M here. I mean, he basically treated him like Arkansas with this comment. And then finally, on his expectations for this team in the preseason, I thought this was kind of a revealing comment. Well, you know, Joe's meant a lot to Louisiana. And Louisiana is very proud of LSU football. Yeah, but, you know, people in Louisiana have heart, man. And when they love you, they love you. And uh, they love Joe, and Joe loves them. So I think it was a combination of both. I think it's to show his appreciation for the state of Louisiana and LSU and what they've done for him and more or less what he's done for us. The guy's been phenomenal. Well, that, that's good. That, you know, Joe wanted that. And that was his appreciation uh, for the state of Louisiana. Uh, he asked if he can do it, and I said, uh, I think that uh, we mentioned it uh, last night, but there, we have bigger motivation uh, to get where we want to go, and uh, this thing was just in our way. So we didn't want to, we didn't want to get too emotional and just and, and give uh, that game last year a lot of attention. Uh, There's a lot of things that we did well this year, uh, being 12 and 0. And uh, going to play for the SEC championship, I think that was our motivation. You know, really the efficiency of our offense, I thought it would be efficient, but not just as explosive and, and break all these records. I mean, we never thought about records or nothing. I, I did feel that this team could go undefeated. I did feel that we had a good enough football team with a couple of breaks that we, uh, if we played the way we could, I, think, I thought that uh, when I looked at the schedule, that we can play with everybody on our schedule and beat them with, because of the coaches we have on our staff, our assistant coaches, because of all the help that we have, all the support we have, and our schedule. I think our schedule fit us. We had some great games at home that we needed our crowd. I think our crowd won a lot of games for us. So this is a tremendous year. All right, Shane. So Coach O thought this team could go undefeated. They did it. Now they're going into the SEC championship game with a ton of momentum. Mm -hmm. Seems like forever since uh, – Ole Miss really tore him up on the ground there. But, I mean, ever since then, maybe that, you know, sometimes that's all you need is just uh, to get kind of gashed a little bit, one side of the ball, and maybe that gets their ass going in the right direction here because it mm -hmm. just seems like LSU, and we'll get to Georgia in just a moment here, but heading into this SEC championship game, it uh, seems like the Tigers have all the momentum. Dude, this is the best defense I've seen them play all year. You know what I'm saying? Since Utah State, maybe. And, I mean, they, they came out to play uh, not just offense, you know, even though it was, it was very impressive. I mean, to sit there and watch a, a SEC record broke, you know. How many mm -hmm. records were broken yesterday? I mean, Joe Burrow, I, I believe he's got more passing yards than anyone in SEC history in a single mm -hmm. season. I believe he tied Drew Locke for the most touchdowns in a single season. Of course, he'll – it just needs one more, so he'll more than likely break that. And like I said, he's closing in on 5,000 passing yards, five or excuse me, 50 touchdowns. Both have never been done in the SEC in a single season. So, whew, I mean, and then look at Jamar Chase, seven catches, 197, two touchdows. I mean, my goodness, Shane. <laughs> I mean, they're rewriting the record books each week. I'm telling you. Yeah, when Joe Burrow broke that uh, uh, most uh, reception or most passing yards, you know, he's breaking Tim Couch, and you know me, man. I went straight to Tim Couch's Twitter page to see what was going on. 
And uh, he didn't say anything, but he did like a, a couple of comments saying, you know, number two's not bad, you know, because he did wear number two. So, <laughs> yeah. so I, I just, uh, that's crazy just to see something like that, a, a record that's been around for a long time and, and, and I think is going to be even harder to break. I mean, these types of numbers against SEC opponents, it's just unreal, man. Uh, what Joe's been able to do, what LSU in general's been able to do with their offense, it's just. But again, you know, Texas A&M's not a cupcake school. They they should not have let this thing get away, and that that falls on Jimbo, man. Not being prepared for this team, I'm a little upset with that situation because they, like I said, were moving in the right direction, and it just felt like they weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, this is an ugly, ugly loss. They really need to respond with a solid performance in a bowl game. Otherwise, like I said, I'm not putting Jimbo on a hot seat, but I mean, there's going to be there's going to be some a long, long off season of questions if they they don't finish the season on the right way after this one. Yeah, let's kick it down to the state of Georgia, Shane, where the Bulldogs they opened a can too. They beat the hell out <laughs> of Georgia Tech here, fifty-two to seven. Now this one was a little shakier though, because mm-hmm. uh, I mean it was seventeen to seven at halftime. It looked like, oh my God, Georgia, what are we doing here, Jake Fromm? <laughs> I mean he was struggling, and then he got to the second half and he just whooped their ass again. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, I mean it just continues to show that uh, I don't know some of these struggles on Georgia's offense. I know they got it going here in the second half, but. Uh, it's troubling heading into a game against LSU where it looks like you could take advantage of LSU's defense to a degree, but I just don't think you can hold them to anything lower than 30 points. I mean, we've not seen it so outside of that Auburn game. So unless you're going to play a game like that, you know, 24-23, something like that, it's going to be very, very difficult for Georgia to win this SEC championship game. Of course, I'm not writing them off. Hell, these are the moments it seems like Jake Fromm plays his best when the light is the is the brightest here. But uh, mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift banged up. Kirby Smart says he's going to be fine, but he didn't play after getting hurt in this one. And then, of course, uh, George Pickens, Shane, threw a couple punches, so he's out for the first half of the SEC championship. Lawrence Cager, he's out for the game. Kirby confirmed that, too. I think he's, he's all but done for the season. So, I don't know. What were your thoughts on this one, Shane, where – you know, Georgia Tech, hadn't seen a lot of them this season, but just by watching this damn game, I mean, this was a really bad team that uh, it took about a half for Georgia to wake up here. Yeah, and here again, a slow start Georgia is something that's been kind of the theme this season. And, you know, that's worked because you've been, you know, you've had more talent than the other teams. But from this point on, you won't. You'll be just equal talent with the rest of these guys. So you cannot afford to have that slow, sluggish start. You know, there, there for a moment, Fromm looked god awful, man. Uh, he was, he was having trouble finding anybody. And uh, you know, Swift bailed him out a few times, but then is like a bang, bang. Swift getting hurt, and then uh, uh, what's his name? You know, throwing the punch. Pickens getting thrown out. You know. Mm-hmm. It just felt like, oh my God, you know, you're 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 making it harder for the SEC championship. But I did like how the coordinators and and coaching staff here just kind of 
kept throwing the ball. I don't know if you noticed that. They they didn't want to rely on the run like they have in the past, even though they had over 200 yards rushing. You know, they still tried to get the ball moving in the second half through the air because I think Coach knows that's what they're going to have to have. They, they cannot be one-dimensional uh, here on out if they expect to win this thing. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Kirby Smartshade after this one, talking about George Pickens and his unfortunate punches thrown there on Jake Fromm's performance in this game and then finally on facing LSU in the SEC championship game. Coach, you preach discipline and composure all the time. How surprised were you that Pickens had behaved like that? Uh, just disappointed. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing is, is we don't want to reflect uh, ourselves that way, and uh, he'd be the first to tell you that he lost his composure. Jake's uh, performance, obviously, maybe the completion is not quite where you wanted, but four touchdowns, hard to complain about. Uh, well, we put a lot put a lot on him. I mean, you, when you start talking about checks, making decisions, doing things, they did a good job. Uh, Jeff's defense has always been good at disguising things and giving you different looks. Uh, and they did some good things, and, and and you know Jake made some good decisions when they got us. You know they trick you every now and then, and you like, oh they got us. He threw the ball away a couple times that that, that really made good decisions, um, and he's he's got to continue to improve and play better. And uh, Jake gets us in and out of a lot of situations, so that was big for us. I mean, I, I, again, I think he'll be the first to tell you he's not playing perfect. He's got to play better, but we got to help him around it. We got to help him with the run game, help him with some passing game to help him play the way he needs to play. Coach, you can finally talk about the SEC championship game. LSU's obviously just been lighting it up all, all year long. You guys are incurring all kinds of adversity coming into this game. What's your feeling as you finally get ready to focus on the SEC championship? Well, I'm excited. You know, you earn the opportunity to play in this game. And people will talk about a lot of uh, games outside this and this being a de facto play-in game and all these different things. The SEC championship is the greatest environment maybe in all of football. Okay, because you can say the Super Bowl and you can say all this, but there is no greater passion for a game than any place in the country. When you talk about LSU and the University of Georgia, doesn't matter who's playing in the SEC championship. It is, and I've coached in a lot of big games in my lifetime. The SEC championship is the greatest atmosphere, passion, energy. A lot of them have been uh, those kind of games, and that's what you come to Georgia to play in. So we've earned the right to play in it. We're going to go uh, roll our helmets out there and give it the best shot we can. All right, Shane, the game is finally here. These coaches finally forced to talk about each other here. <laughs> We've got a, I mean, this is still going to be a hell of a game, Shane. I don't know if you saw the opening line, LSU favored by four, only four. Hmm. And that's been quickly bet up to LSU six, favored by six. But still, I think that's a relatively smaller line a lot of people are expecting and uh, if anything, it kind of gives you an indication that, uh, you know, Georgia's defense is so damn good. They really are. No one's expecting a damn blowout in this one. No, no. A lot of people, people just don't know. I mean, our defense doesn't get enough love. And I'm telling you, man, this Georgia defense is the best in the country. Mm. Period. Period, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hell, they did they did hold Georgia Tech to 139, and that's basically uh, that's basically what they've been doing the last you know two months of the season, just shutting down everybody they're playing. Now you could obviously go immediately to and jump and say they've not faced an, an offense quite like LSU, but I don't think anyone really has this year because LSU is so good. So, I mean, this is the classic showdown, Shane. Number one offense, number one defense. Normally, defense does win the day here. I think it. I think it's a little bit easier to disrupt a great 
offense than it mm-hmm. is to just kind of like overtake a great defense. So there's, I mean, I've already seen it. A lot of people online, I mean, hell, they're they're pissed off at me that even suggesting that LSU is going to win this game. So, I mean, Georgia's going to bring it. These fans are confident. They're playing in Atlanta, a place that, uh, you know, they've had a ton of success in recent seasons. And I don't know. I'm just ready for this game, Shane. We'll be talking about it all week, but I think we're in for a, a really good game here. Oh, yeah. I, I think so, too. I mean, if it's any, I, it seems like these big ones, you know, like the LSU, Alabama. Uh, the Georgia Auburn. I mean, just you get what you pay for in these games. There's there's no blowouts. It comes down to the last two or three series, and it's just exciting to watch. So, yeah, that's going to be an uh, one of the, the. It could be one of the greatest SEC championships we've ever seen. I mean, it's it's literally the best offense versus the best defense, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to Gainesville real quick. Where, damn the Gators, Shane, my lock of the week came through. For me, so appreciate that. Forty to seventeen, just you know, beat the hell out of here, Florida State. Here, this was not much of a game. I mean, it was tied at seven, and then from there on, it was the Gators' game here. But they win their tenth game of the season. Looking forward to possibly playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. I don't, I don't know how you keep them out at this point. But um, like I said, you know, this was so weird going into the this game where Florida State had really dominated the past several years of this series. But, uh, I mean, this is just further evidence that there's a damn mile gap between these two programs. And, you know, Florida really leading the way here. I mean, they they threw all over Florida's defense, which, you know, is something you kind of come to expect here from a Dan Mullen offense. Kyle Trask, 30 of 41, 343, and three touchdowns. He basically sat out the second half. I mean, it was that bad. (laughs) They didn't even need him in the second half. Uh, Thoughts on this one, Shane, where all the momentum in this state is in Gainesville right now. You know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody today about Kyle Trask, and I said, yeah, I said, I think – Currently, he's the second best quarterback in the SEC, and the guy looked at me like I got two heads. So clearly, he hasn't been watching the Florida team lately because, you know, since the Georgia game, not a lot of people have been keeping an eye on the Florida Gators. Trask is, I mean, he's unreal, dude. He is, he's impressive, and and he's playing the best ball, and I hope he comes back. Has he talked about coming back next season? Yeah, I think he said um, he's for sure coming back. And we should note that here on Sunday, Felipe Franks announced he will not be back. Mm. Um, He's not decided what he's specifically going to do, but he's not returning. So I think that gives you an indication there that he knows. I mean, Trask coming back, there's no way I'm playing over him. Mm. He could have went to Mizzou, but they fired the coach. So, you know, here we are, Mike. I just think think Trask is – I mean, he's just he's playing lots out, and so the Florida team, all in general, the defense is doing great. You know, they just haven't got a lot of respect down the down the the tail end of the schedule, if you ask me. And and this is coming from Tennessee Homer, man. Okay, <laughs> I, I I it it hurts, it crushes my soul to see the Florida Gators do well, but you know that the quarterback getting hurt with Felipe getting hurt was the best thing that could have happened to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And I, I'm not rooting against Felipe. Right, right. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not pumping up an injury or anything like that. But if they would have started this season with him, uh, I think we could have had a different, I think we could have had maybe another one. Maybe, who knows? Who knows what could have happened if Trash has been playing all season? 
Well, let's kick it over to Dan Mullen, Shane, who after this win, he's talking about uh, Gators being, you know, he thinks they deserve a New Year's Six Bowl, as as do we both. Uh, I thought I really appreciated his comments here on Florida's senior class, who really, you know, they they did everything they could to buy into this guy, and that clearly paid off for him. And then finally, Shane, I just thought this was one hell of a FSU troll by uh, Coach Dan Mullen. <laughs> so, yeah, you mentioned the New Year's Six. I mean, that's obviously on your radar. What, where do you – I don't have a much, vote, so. Well, what do you think – what do you think you guys have accomplished in that respect? Especially well, I mean, look, at, I mean, we're, we're tending to – you know, we played a, a, a tough non-conference schedule playing, you know, I mean, going out. I, it's going to determine a lot, you know. I mean, you look and you say, okay, hey, we went out to aggressively schedule two Power Five teams non-conference. You know, I mean, there's a lot of teams not doing that, you know. I mean, unfortunately, we, we, we lost two games, right, by a total of 21 points to the two teams that are right now in the top four in the country. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't know the discussions that happen in the room and all that stuff, but resume-wise, I, I think we have a pretty solid resume to be a top-ten team. The, t- the 2019 class, when you, when you see so many of those guys, the scholarship guys that stuck around, Kind yeah. of helped with this turnaround. What is that kind of message? Well, I think for it's the special. You know, I mean, it's really special to me. You know, I know uh, when you come in and you say, "Hey, this is," you know, we didn't recruit you, uh, but this is how we're going to run the program, and you know, this is what we believe in. This is how the program's going to be run in the future. And those guys believed and bought in, and I thanked all of them. Every single one of them, I thanked them. I said, "Thanks for believing in me." You know, I mean, they played hard for the Gators, but they they came here to be to be Gators. You know, but then they also believed in me and bought into what me and the coaching staff and what we're trying to build here and what we're trying to do and how we run our program. So I'm very thankful for them to believe in me. And uh, it's a great honor for guys to uh, to do that. We'll find out where we go here, hopefully in a couple of weeks, right? We get to see that, you know, I may never know how that's going to play out. Hopefully, you know, did enough to get a get New Year's Six Bowl. I, maybe even more. I saw, right? I mean, Baylor beat a six-win team last week and jumped up five spots. So uh, we did the same today pretty handily. So we'll see how that works. <laughs> All right, Shane. So Dan Mullen, he loves to kick a man while he's down, so to speak. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Especially he, the Seminoles. <laughs> so you got a good one in here, but uh, you know he makes a good point. Why in the hell we've kind of been hitting it on all these college football playoff ranking shows? But uh, here you got teams moving up, teams moving down, but they keep Florida at number eleven. Uh, it's time to kick them into the top 10 and uh, give them a New Year's Six Bowl like they deserve, wouldn't you say? I mean, hell, the, the only yeah. teams they lost to, LSU and, and Georgia, number one, number four. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, we're, we're going to sit here and talk about how great Alabama is. They've done the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Actually, a worse team. So. There's, there's a chance Florida might be the fifth best team in the nation. Exactly. I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but, you know, they, they have – they have what's needed to – I mean, think about it, dude. Just think about it for a second. They lost to Georgia. You know, they there was a chance they had they could have won that game. And they lost to um, uh, – LSU. LSU. And, you know, if, if a couple of series went a different way, who knows what would happen in that one. We're saying the exact same thing about Alabama, you know. So, yeah, I, I think they're a top five, top six team in the nation right now easily. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to Columbia. We're on Will Muschamp, Shane. Oh, man, he's got to be shaking his head after this one because Clemson went down there and won 38-3. to mm. And, man, they just got out-talented, out-played here. And, you know, give the 
Gamecock, some credit here. They made that tough goal line stand at the beginning of the game. I was thinking, <laughs> oh, hell yeah, they're they're in it to win it. And then immediately Ryan Alinsky throws, you know, a really bad interception. And it was kind of over at that point because South Carolina had to play a flawless game just to compete in this one. Trevor Lawrence, you know, you kind of see the difference between a guy that uh, is probably going to play <laughs> 10 years, <laughs> 20 years in the NFL to someone that's still kind of trying to grasp the college game here. It was just night and day here. They had South Carolina had no answer for Clemson's aerial game. And, you know, that's kind of to be expected at this point, I guess, with all their injuries and everything. But just a tough, tough loss. And, uh, I mean, this is just another stain on Will Muschamp's record there at South Carolina. And I, I, I fully understand why Gamecock fans are just kind of apathetic at this point. Mm. T. Higgins did pass interfere, just letting you know that one. But <laughs> other than that, yeah, I think that this is just – it sucks. It sucks for the fans, you know, because they did get up for this game and uh, it felt like they were – I mean, it was it was an electric atmosphere for there for a little bit, you know, but the, the wind got took out of that cell pretty daggone quick. And Clemson's just in a – you know, they're just in a different level right now. Uh, they don't have they don't have the depth issues that that South Carolina has, and South Carolina still banged up. I mean, it sucks that Edwards didn't get to play, you know, because I, I really think that he was. He, I mean, he he is that type of X factor that keeps you in a lot of ball games, and they just didn't have it, man. They didn't have any weapons going on the offense side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Will Muschamp, Shane. After this one, talked about the the issues on offense and how. The system worked last year on the future there of his Gamecock program and then on uh, what sign of hope Gamecock fans have for his program moving forward. What was the biggest issue today offensively? And I guess have you pinpointed one specific thing that's happened over the last three weeks that you can put your finger on? You know, Colin, we're struggling in a lot of areas. There's a lot of – you can stick – I don't have enough fingers to put in the dike right now. And it's confidence is is a major issue. Uh, But we're having a hard time – you know, in a lot of areas. And to sit there and, and blame one person, I'm not going to do that. I mean, at the end of the day, we need to be more productive, and that's the bottom line. You know, if you if you, you give one reason, it's an excuse. That's kind of the way it is nowadays. So that's the bottom line. So I'm tired of talking about it. At the end of the day, we need to be, get better. That's the bottom line. You know, no one was bitching last year when we averaged 425 yards and we averaged over 30 points a game. You know, and we've, we've struggled this year. You know, just call it like it is. And, and uh, there's a lot of different areas that are at, at fault. And it needs to get fixed, and that's what I'm going to do. You say that you're you're close. What gives you the feeling that you're close? What do you see that makes you think you're close? The effort that we have throughout the entire season, especially in the latter part of the season when things weren't going very well, uh, the good young talent that we've recruited, the good young talent that we have coming, uh, uh, I see a lot of positive things and some key positions that we're going to be very good. So I, I feel very confident in that. The the locker room today, specifically the guys who are coming back, what was their mood? How do they feel about they're that? They're hurting. I mean, there's no doubt. That's that's another good sign. They, you know, they're they're hurting. They hurt for our seniors because obviously the way the season has gone is not certainly something that that uh, we wanted them to to have to experience. So, um, you know, it's a hurting locker room. 
Coach, obviously a disappointing season, but what positive can you take out of this season to going into the offseason and preparing for next August? Well, I think, you know, from a standpoint of the youth, you, t you take Ryan, you take the carry on. Uh, both guys playing at the quarterback position, to carry on playing at the receiver position as we continue to move forward. We'll, we'll see how that continues to manifest itself. Ja'Kai Moore and, and, uh, and Jalen Nichols, two young players that played extremely well on the offensive line and should get four out of the five back on the offensive line. Uh, Nick Muse is a guy that was a great addition to our football team and really at receiver, Chavis Dawkins and, and Brian. Of course, Brian's a huge loss, but you got Xavier Leggett, a young player that continued to develop as the season went. You got Shy back in the slot. Uh, we, we need some young running backs to come in and they're ready to play. But, you know, Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick did some nice things for us. You got Parker White back as a kicker. We need to replace Joe, obviously, at the punter position. And really, on, you know, on defense, you lose J Javon. You know, TJ's been a three year starter and, and Dennis Warnham. And past that, we got everybody back. So we've recruited well. We've got good players at the position that I've all got a lot of experience defensively. Jamie Robinson had a really good year. John Dixon played well for us at corner. Uh, Jamar Brown's going to be a really good linebacker for us moving forward. Zach Pickens is a really good player inside. Joe Anderson is an end. Uh, so we've got some good players in the program that have all gotten some valuable experience, some quicker than we wanted to have it have happen for them. But it is what it is. Yeah. Will, what kind of a sign of hope can you give to your fans uh, who just see the divide between your program and Clemson getting larger as you could compare the two teams like out there? Well, I, you know, Phil, that's all in the eye of the beholder, you know, in my opinion. Um, we've had more success than any staff in its first three years at the University of South Carolina. We've won as many games in the Southeastern Conference as any staff at the University of South Carolina. And I'm not happy with that. But I am just saying that there is some positive progress for us to at least latch on to. We went to more bowl games in our first three years than any staff in its first three years in the University of South Carolina. And as I said earlier, we have a really good young roster coming back. And obviously, do we need to address some things in our program? Yes, we will. And moving forward, and I look forward to having a long tenure here at the University of South Carolina and coaching here for a long time and, and getting this thing turned. And that's what, you know, I, I, I look forward to the opportunity and the challenge. All right, Shane, so Will Muschamp pretty defensive after this one, firing some shots here. You know, once again, got to credit the South Carolina media fans for lobbing these damn grenades at Muschamp here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, th I think – I just – again, I hate when these guys talk about what they've accomplished, not what's ahead of them. I think that's really that, – that's a really, really bad sign. That's what I was about to say. I was like, it's every damn week he's coming out telling us how – how many bowls they've been to and what, you know, Steve Spurrier wasn't able to accomplish, you know, it's just, who cares? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's that we're talking about the future and they took several steps back this year. And, um, you know, I heard that they fired the coordinator. Is that true? Or is this another fake rumor floating around? Yeah. Well, let's, uh, credit, uh, Keith Alsep of the locked on Gamecocks podcast. Cause he was the first one to report all this news and, I've seen everybody and their mother reported afterwards. So no one's crediting this guy, so I'm going to give him the credit there. But uh, according to uh, Keith, who was the first one here, that uh, offensive coordinator Brian McClendon not fired, but apparently demoted. So he's no longer the offensive coordinator, no longer the play caller. And I think what's, uh, what that specifically means is uh, Muschamp's going to give McClendon an opportunity to see if he can find another offensive coordinator job and if not then he'll remain on staff so it's kind mm -hmm. of a, it's kind of a weird situation there I know he's a really good receivers coach a really good recruiter so I'm sure Muschamp wants to keep him but 
Just can't keep them after results like they had this year. Uh, the quarterback coach, Dan Warner, is out. And then South Carolina fans are going to be really excited to hear this news. But the strength and conditioning staff, uh, led by Brian Dillman, he is also out. You know, South <laughs> Carolina's just had so many damn injuries here in the last couple of years. And there's been, you know, allegations that, you know, they kind of push the players too hard. So I think it's time to pull the plug on the strength and conditioning staff as well. And then uh, I want to give credit to uh, Mike Uve. He was the first one to report this, but apparently Jake Bentley is going to make this official on Monday that he will not return to South Carolina, even though he has that option. I think he's going to transfer out and go somewhere else. So a lot of Gamecock news here on Sunday. Shane, reaction to that? All these staff changes, and sounds like Jake Bentley, is he's already got one foot out the door here. Well, you can't fire the head coach because you ain't got the money, you know. So we need some <laughs> scapegoats, and we're going to blame everybody. <laughs> uh, I, you know, Muschamp, uh, you know, this is this is his baby. You know, there's there's a reason that they're in this situation. Now, where they dealt some rough, some bad cards, yes, with the injuries. But guess what, man? So was everybody else. But I will say this. South Carolina had a few more than most people, and that does go back to me. And if you're asking me, strength and conditioning is a big factor there. You know, Tennessee was the same thing, man. We had multiple injuries year after year, and then we get fits in. And all of a sudden, we're not so banged up all the time. You know, I think if you get the right guy in, uh, it really helps your program grow and stay healthy. So that was a big move, and I think a good move. Um, But – yeah, a lot of moving pieces, but you know, I don't. I think the end result's not what you wanted to hear. You don't want to, like I said, hear what has happened in the previous seasons. You know, the fact is, you're not going to a bowl game. You know, so we got to look at that mirror and see what we can do to change the outlook of the University of South Carolina. And I, I it all starts internal, man. Getting rid of some of these coaches, getting rid of some of this dead weight, creating a new narrative. You know, you got a, you got. Helensky, man, you know, he's young. He made some mistakes, but you've got some pieces coming back next year. Something that Muschamp hits on, Mm -hmm. uh, four out of five linemen, you know, some of this defense coming back. South Carolina has plenty of pieces coming back next year to make a better run. The schedule looks a lot better, you know, a lot easier than it did this season. So, um yeah, hang in there, you know, but you've got a long off season, man. You got to take advantage of that time as well. Keep recruiting. That's another one. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to Tennessee where the Vols, your Vols, Shane, took care of business in an ugly, ugly ass game. 28 to 10, beat Vanderbilt, finally snapped that streak, had to get that done to take a big step forward here. And this one, Shane, delayed by weather twice. And I think the offense got delayed here, too, because, my God, Shane, Jared Garantano came out here and looked like uh, the Garantano of the early of the season. And after they kind of saw, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with the conditions. I didn't want to get the forecast into my prediction because we all know how that goes. <laughs> but I kind of saw that one coming in as well. I, I figured that would play a part. And after that, I mean, they just went specifically to the ground. They only threw it 17 times. They ran it 41 and the star of the game, the freshman Eric Gray, Shane, I mean, he just went beast mode in this one. 25 carries, 246 yards, three touchdowns, including the second longest run in school history, 94-yarder. Mm. I mean, this was basically the Eric Gray show. Everybody get the hell out of the way. 
And uh, that's all they needed because Vanderbilt had basically nothing on offense in this one. Dude, and I've been kind of waiting for Gray to have a big game. You know, he's just – he's a burner, man. He's got tons of speed, and, and he just needs an opportunity. And, you know, Coach finally gave him some shots, and he took advantage of it. And, of course, you couldn't have done it without the offensive linemen, man. It's all about them big boys up front, and they were making some holes <laughs> at times, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And Trey Smith banged up, you know, still out there playing. It's just – I don't know. Future looks bright there at the University of Tennessee, and uh, I'm excited, but I am a little worried. Uh, Garantano, you're right, man. I ain't going to lie. There was a couple series in. I'm like, I had just like flashbacks of Georgia State, and, and you know, there's a chance he's going to come back next season, and is that going to be the same thing, man? Are we just going to have uh, just an up-and-down bipolar Garantano, you know, just like is it – one game he looks he pulls a Missouri and he looks like Joe Montana out there and then the next <laughs> week he comes out and he you know he looks he looks like a old Arkansas's quarterback so I just I, I'm worried uh, about the inconsistency I thought he got past that but uh, apparently he's still got a little bit of that in his game I think maybe the the secret is they just gotta sit him for the first series or two for whatever <laughs> <Yeah>. reason. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they could, that did work, you know, him coming off the bench. But him as a starter, sometimes he, he's a slow starter, dude. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, you know, this game kind of reminds me of when uh, Jeremy Pruitt got to Tennessee, Shane. I mean, he wanted big guys. He's went out and got some linemen. They continue mm-hmm. to make that overhaul in recruiting. But he also wanted explosive playmakers, and this is why he wanted them. I mean, that that's simple football 101, but – that's all it is. If you got better blockers and you got more explosive players mm-hmm. in a game like this, late in the season, everyone's tired. You know, there's not going to be anything fancy about it. It's just line up. You you should be better than this team. Just go over there, smash them, and we'll, we'll just we'll just ride this thing home. And that's why you go out and get a guy like Eric Gray. That's mm-hmm. why you go out and get these five star linemen. And it's showing its way and i mean that's a simple formula and it doesn't work if they're not coached the right way and trained the right way but clearly they are at tennessee and this is a game that early like i said i mean it started i mean the first play of the damn game chain was a false start i think i think the second or third play was garantano's interception yeah i mean these are the type of games and in years past I, i i keep saying the same thing i feel like every week but these are the games in the past where it's oh my god tennessee's gonna blow it yeah. And basically what happened was Jeremy Pruitt just said, well, to hell with it. We're taking the ball out of the air, and we'll just, we're just going to run it, and we'll beat the hell out of this team. And that's what they did because mm-hmm. that's, that's the way this team's built. Yeah. And, man, Jawan Jennings wanted that ball, though, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing. You wished he would have uh, – I mean, he only had two catches, 56 yards. Yeah, you wish a guy like that would go out with about a dozen catches, 200 mm-hmm. yards. I mean, you know, he's got the capability, but – just wasn't that type of day for Tennessee. Uh, so let's kick it over here to Jeremy Pruitt, Shane, on Eric Gray's big day on this Tennessee senior class. And then, uh, you know, this is not often we get Pruitt to kind of open up a little bit here. So I just thought this was kind of interesting on how far the Tennessee program has come since he's arrived. You know, Ty's had a banged up ankle. Uh, so we kind of started with Tim and Eric was going to probably be the next guy in and, um, you know, he got hot there. So you think about that, uh, uh, a record at the University of Tennessee, think of all the good runners that's come through here. You know, that says a whole heck of a lot about um, 
everybody involved, starting with the quarterback, getting us in the right plays with the offensive staff, uh, doing a heck of a job game planning and um, the, the front, the tight ends, the wide receivers blocking downfield, finishing runs. So um, it's a great accomplishment. Well, the guys that are here, they're all, they're, they're all in. Uh, these seniors, uh, all, I mean, really their attitude was coach me coach. Uh, you know, whatever they needed to do to improve, whatever they needed to do to help us get to the, to the next step. Uh, you know, and they're, we, to me, we have good leaders on our team, but I think it also says a lot about the players on our team. You know, it doesn't do you any, any good if you've got good leadership, if, if the guys don't want to follow leadership. So um, I think that says a lot about our, our team in itself. Uh, you know, we had guys that had a positive impact on the people around them, and we had guys that responded to, uh, to their leadership. So um, that, that's a good thing. Well... Unless you were here the first day that I walked in this building, uh, I don't think you understand how far we actually have come, okay? Um, Coach Fulmer was here. It's a long ways. I can assure you that. Um, and our guys, I, I, I'm, I'm excited for them, the way they feel, uh, the confidence that they have. Uh, we're playing with uh, so much more confidence, believing in, in themselves, believing in each other. Uh, you think about over the last five wins, you know, there's just the different points in the game where somebody stepped up, a unit stepped up, um, you know, and found a way. That's what good football teams do. You got you got to find a way, um, even when you're maybe not playing at your best. And I, I mean, I think that just, you know. Yeah, you have to. I look at it. I look at our assistant coaches, what they've done, keeping these guys together, keeping them believing, and and them finding a way, finding a way to get it done. You know, and it's been different guys tonight. It was Eric Gray on offense. You know, it's it's been different kind of all through the season. Um, so I just think it's a mark of guys that that believe in what we're trying to get done. They believe in each other and they believe in themselves. All right, Shane. So I. I feel like you could appreciate those comments there, but uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt never was one to kind of bash the guys he inherited or anything. He was never one of those coaches who said, you know, I got to go get my guys. Never any talk like that. But you know, it, you can kind of see, not that he's kind of saying that here, but it's just kind of he's just letting everybody know that. I mean, it it it's taken a long time to just get to this point. And I think his point is, uh, you know, the next step that we need to take may not happen overnight, but, you know, this we know what we're doing here, and this is the plan to do it. And if you just kind of stick with us here, you know, we could be battling with the, you know, Alabama and Georgia and Florida and all these teams in the years to come. Mm-hmm. That old saying, man, you got to trust the system, Mike, you know. <laughs> and you know sometimes you don't like it sometimes you don't understand it but there's a reason that he's doing it you know we just talked about nick saban being the greatest coach ever well where do you think Pert learned all this stuff you know i mean he he comes from a from a long a, a pedigree of coaches that that are proven winners and he knows what it takes to compete in that uh, top 10 
you know, class. So that's what he's doing. And these players, it, it felt like the, the upperclassmen, the seniors bought in, you know, maybe not at first, but as soon as they did, you know, it, it started to show up on the field. So I, I'm, I'm proud of this class. I'm proud of these boys uh, to, to, to go from where we started to where we're at now. Uh, that's a win in my book, Mike. Okay, Shane, final game we got to hit on here, Kentucky. Wins the Governor Cup, beats mm. the hell out of Louisville, forty-five to thirteen. And when's the last time you can remember, Shane, a game where the starting quarterback is the only one that threw the ball, went one for two for four yards, <laughs> <laughs> and his team scored forty-five and beat the hell out of their their in-state rival? I mean, I could I can never remember such a thing, but. That's what happens when you rush for 517 yards on the <laughs> <laughs> They weren't ready for the Patriot, were they, man? <laughs> and my God, Shane, I mean, well, at this so, rate, this Lynn Bowden, so I mean, he's going if he would have played this like this the whole year, he would have been, he may have won the damn Heisman Trophy. I mean, 284 rushing yards, four touchdowns. Louisville had no answers. Rodriguez had another 125. Cavassier mm-hmm. smoked 75. I mean, he only rushed about twice. He had 75 yards. Uh, I mean, this was just a classic downhill Kentucky game, you know, just kind of like the, the Tennessee game I was referencing there. But this is a different animal altogether because you know there's no chance they're going to throw it on you, but it's mm-hmm. still it's unstoppable. I like I, – I give Eddie Grant and his staff all the credit in the world because – um, I mean, it, it's not like they're running the same play every time, but it, it's not like they're running anything too diverse either. And it just no one can can stop this damn thing. Dude, Mike, I mean, this is chain 2002 NCAA. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you take over Harvard and you got a terrible team, and you're trying to get them to the SEC. You know, you take the fastest guy on your team, you put him at quarterback. Can he throw? No, but he can make plays. It's just. It's it's a blast from the past. It's so fun to watch. And I'm telling you what, man, Lynn Bowden is uh, he's an MVP, dude. He I mean, he is he is the MVP of the uh, I know a lot of people love Joe and the records he's breaking and and they love uh, Swift and they love, uh, you know, what's his name over at Texas A&M, you know, the damn heel you know he's these are great athletes but what lynn has been able to do is put a team on his back and win over and over i mean breaking wreck i mean this is they they couldn't be stopped man it seemed like every time you looked up lynn was running for a touchdown so (laughs) i loved it i thought it was i thought it was great for college football great for kentucky and uh like i said they they don't get the respect. Nobody watched this game. Everybody's talking about the daggone Iron Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Nobody mm-hmm. watched this, and that's a shame because they missed a good one. Yeah, I just can't remember. Louisville won seven games this year. This, this mm-hmm. is not some trash team, but I can't remember a time when a team rushed 40 times and averaged nearly – they averaged 12.9 yards per carry. The only time I've ever seen that is against, you know, when they play these like FCS joke teams and they just, yeah. I mean, this is the only other time I've seen something like that. And this is, this is a different thing altogether. So a uh, hell of a job here to Kentucky hats off to Mark Stoops. And uh, he, he earned this one, Shane. He got an automatic one year extension as part of his contract. <laughs> he wins seven games. You get an automatic one year extension, gets a little bit of a bump of a pay raise as well. So Mark Stoops, a happy man. 
Uh, let's kick it over to him real quick here on Lynn Bowden, on them uh, Kentucky exceeding the expectations once again. And then on if this win against Louisville meant a little bit more than it did last year. Uh, sometimes can take the wind out of your sail, but it didn't, not one bit with this group. Came right back in here, didn't flinch. Lynn said, don't worry about it, I got you. And uh, he did. Um, what can you say about Lynn? He is uh, truly remarkable in so many ways, um, but you have to recognize his competitive nature and just how tough and competitive and what a leader he is. And in our business, if you know, if you're you're gonna be an alpha dog, then you be an alpha dog. And and that's him. And um, you know, when you do that time and time again and prove it and put the team on your back and say, let's ride, let's do this, um, you know, you 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 know it's remarkable. Um, I compare him and please don't misquote me on this. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna say it, say the whole thing. Because uh, Lamar Jackson was probably the greatest player maybe uh, ever competed against. <coughs> but what I admire so much about him is how competitive he is. You know, he's a remarkable quarterback and a remarkable <coughs> talent. But um, you can tell what, I, what I've always admired about him was after that year when, you know, we were fortunate and came back and won up there. But that next year when he came down here, it was like, come on, put that team on your back and it was over. He wasn't going to let anything happen because he was a – he was a complete alpha dog. He was he was taken over, and Lynn, in that regard, is one of the most competitive people I've seen. So again, don't say I'm comparing him to to Lamar and all that. You know, Lamar's a fantastic, uh, remarkable player, one of the best I've ever seen. Um, but it, both in the same regard of, of how competitive they are, and how much they want it on their back. They want to make plays, and they want to, uh, you know, they want to do it for their team, and. Uh, really proud of Lynn and what he's done. Mark, what would you say to all the media outside of Kentucky that picked y'all to have a losing season? Yeah. Part for the course, right? <laughs> I mean, really, I think we've outkicked what they've predicted every year in the last four or five years. So uh, we're not, we're really not worried about that. You know, we're really not, we really don't need that for motivation. Uh, we're pretty motivated in what we do and how we go about our business, and we feel pretty good about it. And, you know, a lot of teams can say uh, ifs and buts, or, you know, everybody does, right? That's the game. Uh, and I can promise you we've been through our fair share and fought our way out of it. And, uh, um, you know, if you could go back and, and uh, put that prediction, that, that I like 9 or 10, you know, so. Mark, obviously you guys won by a lot over there last year, but did this year feel like a little bit more complete performance? It did. Yeah, it did because uh, this was a much better team. Um, you know, we, we all know they just went through some tough times a year ago and, and uh, still very good players, as you saw some tonight. And, uh, you know, they still have – and, and, and uh, Coach Satterfield's going to do a remarkable job. They come in and do what he's done. Uh, they've done a, a fantastic job, and uh, they'll, be, they'll be back. But, um, but they were playing much better, and so it felt uh, more complete. I felt, you know, very satisfying to physically do that. Um, you know, if you don't understand and recognize what our league is, then then you're not real intelligent. 
you know what I mean? Like what, what you go through and what, you know, what, what we go through and the grind. And I know people outside of our league are tired of hearing about that. But come try to go through that gauntlet. You know, it's just, it beats you up mentally and physically, but it ultimately prepares us for this, right? And so uh, really proud of, of the group um, and withstanding uh, the things that we have. All right, Shane. So, you know, it's interesting. Mark Stoops, and I, I'm not certainly suggesting he's looking to leave or anything, but, you know, when you see these results, kind of like you said, you know, a lot of people not watching these games outside of the state of Kentucky because of all the other action, but I guarantee you that, uh, you know, if you're an elite athletic director with all these jobs all across the country opening now, you're paying attention to stuff like this. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm not saying Mark Stoops is going to leave. I mean, he's been very clear. He's not going to Florida State. I'm not talking about Florida State, but just the way this coaching carousel works, there's there could be a job opening that, uh, I don't know, I'm just saying if if someone wants to make a damn A-plus hire, they, I mean, I think Florida State's already fucked it up, but that, I'm not surprised by that. But uh, if you want an A-plus hire, I mean, this is this is your guy you got to be looking at here. Oh, for sure. It's just the, just the, you know, something we were talking about saving. I, I was giving him a hard time, you know. It's just this kid's, this guy's always got an ace up his sleeve. It doesn't matter what happens. What I mean, you know, it rains every time Kentucky plays. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> passing is like, have you noticed that? Every time they're out there, it's it's raining in Kentucky. I, no wonder they put that uh that arc up there, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but it just feels like that's a good spot for it because it rains every time I'm watching the Big Blue Nation up there. But uh, I, I think Coach is just fantastic, man. It doesn't matter what you throw at him; he's got an answer. He's got a rebuttal. He's he's just he's a great schemer. He's a great. It's just a great freaking coach, you know. And and uh, Kentucky is extremely lucky to have him, and that's why they're not going to change the way their contract is written because uh, they'll take seven wins with, with, with a banged up quarterback. I mean, think about it, two quarterbacks out, you know what I'm saying? And what does he do? He just turns into an option team. You know, he just takes the, the offensive line and makes them one of the best units in the nation. You know, it's just impressive what, what they've been able to do. All right, Shane. So that's going to tie a bow around rivalry week recap here. So much going on. But uh, there's going to be a lot of news to come. So many coaching changes, you know. We're already hearing this, uh, you know, just like I said, right when we jumped on the pod here, Matt Luke out. There's going to be other movements. There's going to be assistance movements, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, stick with us here. See, I know the regular season's over for a lot of people, but there's going to be a lot to cover. I've already actually got a great guest lined up for the next episode, mm-hmm. Shane. He's going to talk to us about the Arkansas coaching search and everything that's going on. Uh, I know you've been busy at work today, Shane, but, hell, these fans, Razorback fans are among the best, Shane. They're tracking airplanes all (laughs) over the country. Uh, There was a a plane that landed in uh, Boca Raton at the FAU airport. It's right next to the... to the facility there so they're, they're interviewing lane kiffin they're you know there's rumors shane that uh, justin fuente the virginia tech coach who he's got his team ranked mm-hmm. in, interested in that arkansas job maybe uh, bringing odin with him barry odin was his defensive coordinator so we'll uh-huh. get into stuff like that so a lot of exciting stuff still to come uh i, mean, I can't wait for it i know the season may be over it's very sad but uh 
Hell, yeah. now we now we got coaching carousel seasons, which is uh, can be very exciting as well. So a lot to stick around for. Uh, but that's all I got on this episode. You got anything before we hop off here, buddy? No, as a as a, a participant of coaches coach searches, you know, it's like if you've got a shitty season, at least you got that to look forward to, and it's kind of fun. It's like Christmas. You you don't know what your aunt wrapped for you. You're probably gonna hate it, but there's a chance that she found the perfect gift for you. So I'm excited, Mike. I, I can't wait to see what happens with uh, who who's her next coach. You know, I don't know. It's just it's just a fun time of year, Mike, and uh, I'm with you. I hate that some of these guys ain't gonna get to play football anymore, but you know this is a this is a start of a new season for them, though. You know, get them a new coach. <laughs> exactly. So uh, stick around and remember to give us a five star rating and review. We'll send you a free beer koozie on us. Uh, that's gonna do it for this one, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols. Hey, I'm 3 0, baby. You know, everybody give me a hard time over at Old Miss Pick, but I'll tell you what, I hit the spread. My bank's happy. <laughs> uh.